People want more democracy, not less. It's time to talk progressive politics and practical solutions with Joy Silver. Outspoken from Radio 111. Now, here's Joy. Hello, hello, everyone. And today we are talking about women of the Wild West on film and particularly Godless, the series, the Netflix series, which was a new rendition of the film that had come out earlier. And my question today is, well, is this really a feminist film? Because that's how it was advertised to us. I also want to talk a little bit about the heroes of the West and how that affects us today in our thinking about things like government and democracy and who gets to enforce what laws. Our guest today is H.J. Grayson. She's our guest, and she says that being a filmmaker is purposeful and passionate. Now, she's been behind the camera, in front of, and in the business of it. But storytelling is her true passion. H.J. Uh, Grayson, a mother, a writer, a woman who wants to create characters that we can all see ourselves in. Um, I call her Heather. I hope that's okay with you, Heather. And uh, welcome to our show today. Yes, thank you. I'm so excited. Been looking forward to this uh, very much. So yes, and Heather is great. Um, I, really quick story. The reason why my pen name is H.J. Grayson is I write a lot of comic book style material, graphic novels, and it got me a little further than having my name it be Heather. Oh, so. <laughs> there must be a story behind that. Would you care to yes. share that a bit? Yeah, so um, I I wrote a graphic novel or comic book characters, um, two male superheroes, and I really wanted to get it out there. And I went to comic book conventions, and I talked to some artists and and some comic book developers, and um, you know, a couple of them mentioned, "Hey," not saying that I agree with it, and that was really always the line but they're like you should probably go by a different pen name um having a female you know writer for comic books and graphic novels is still this was about 10 years ago when this all started but it was still a little you know it wasn't even though we have some wonderful people in marvel and everything else now um they just suggested that i would get farther if i went with uh, a pen name so hg grayson uh heather and my uh former last name was Johnson, so Jay, and then Grayson is kind of a play on one of my favorite characters, Robin. So uh, his name is Dick Grayson. So. Oh, I see. That's there you go. Is. Well, tell, yeah. tell me a little bit more about, before we get into this subject, and I think you already made the case um, regarding <laughs> writing heroes and how it's accepted in general in our culture. I mean, Ten years is not a hell of a lot of time ago, so... Um, and I think we're still seeing much of the issue that I'm hoping we get into today. I know we will because we've had yeah. a few conversations. But tell me a little <laughs> bit about your own interest and what made you, first of all, look at film and storytelling as a way to, I don't know, express yourself. And what do you expect to, uh, do you see it as a social changer? I mean, tell me a little bit about your ideas about this. Sure. Um so I grew up uh, in Ohio, basically by a cornfield, and uh, I was—I have four older brothers, and the way that we all um, kind of got along, I guess, or you know, had a similar interest in, was always movies. 
Um, my dad was a huge James Bond fan, um, even named one of my brothers Sean after Sean Connery. Um, and, <laughs> and, and so he, so we always went to the movies together. We, that was kind of our thing. Um, and so <clears throat> I, whenever I decided to go into school, I've always wanted to be a writer. Um, I didn't know whether or not it was going to be novels or it was going to be poetry. I, I didn't know what I wanted to go into, but I knew I wanted to be a writer. I knew I had things that I wanted to say. I knew I had stories that I could tell. Everybody who would talk to me face-to-face would be like, man, you're such a great storyteller. And I'm like, why don't I just put that on a piece of paper? And so I always got great grades and that and everything. Um, so in college, I went in and I got uh, my English degree with a minor in popular literature and film, uh, which then gave me an outlet. So while I was at the University of Akron, I uh, worked for their college paper as a film critic. Hmm. Um, So that kind of started getting me really into films. Um, I had a film critic class that I went to, and I really liked it. Um, and, but I never really, I hadn't at that point gotten in, gotten into film. I haven't, I hadn't been by a camera. I hadn't written anything. I was very much into short storytelling and poetry. Um, so then whenever I came out, I was able to do an internship with the greater Cleveland film commission, um, while I was in college. And that just was it for me. <laughs> I was, that was, you were hooked, you know, I, you I was hooked. Hooked I was on film instead of hooked on phonics, right? You were hooked on film. Yeah. Wow. Let me. Yeah. Was there a particular? Um, uh, were there certain films that made an impression on you that that inspired you to perhaps become a storyteller and a filmmaker yourself? Um, yeah, and and I and I know that it's going to be a little funny um, in that my brother was uh, was a quadriplegic and so a lot of his favorite films was batman series so mm-hmm. i loved i he just he always felt like he, when i don't know just when the rough came to tumble he was his own sort of batman you know um he was going to have to you know deal with this um this major injury himself in his own way um, not a lot of doctors were helping him. It was it was very, you know, soon into the opioid epi- epidemic, so he was always known as a drug seeker, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he always felt like to make his way in his own life, he had to be his own Batman. Mm-hmm. So I will I will say that um, those series, you know, that got me pumped. The um, uh, Christian Bale series, those those three in particular. Uh, and it just was something that, you know, kind of, I was like, I can tell stories. Like, I can I can make up heroes. I can write heroes. And I can make them look like people we don't see on film. And so that's where I really wanted to start um, separating out the Wonder Womans. I wanted to talk about other types of female characters that could be heroes, even though I love Wonder Woman, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're, 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 then, you're saying something about Wonder Woman here that I, I just want to back up because this is yeah. this begins to get interesting and kind of leads into the Wild West films that yeah. we're talking about. You, even though I loved Wonder Woman, let's go back to that. Mm-hmm. What, uh, where are we with Wonder Woman at that time period or even now? So I feel like Wonder Woman in herself is is a misrepresented character. I think that she could be much more. I think that she could stand for much more. And I think that Gal Gadot 
playing her has done so much with that, not only personally by being pregnant while playing Wonder Woman. I think that is so that is such a wonderful experience that she then told us the audience. Um, and so I think that means a lot. But I think that Wonder Woman was always stifled by these other superhero men. You know, they had, you know, it was it was it was always there had to be something like, you know, she had to be saved, you know, in, in a lot of different in a lot of different um, scenes in the comic book, not necessarily the movies. I'm not really talking about the movies here. Right. Um, but her outfits just, you know, especially in the in the 70s and 80s when, you know, she was in basically the smallest, tiniest little, you know, bathing suit, I guess you would say. Skimpy I don't know how clothing. It, okay. Right. I don't, you know, yeah. you know, these, these, these supermen have these, you know, full, full bodied outfits. So I think, I think there could just be more in it. And then, and then it was always about being pure. You know, she had the, tr- the lasso of truth and she, you know, it was always about just purity and she was this pure being and she you know and it was like well i mean you know everybody can sin it's okay you know and and so i think that that kind of you know i wanted to show that females can be flawed um we can we can you know be heroes but be flawed we don't have to be you know all truth all pure we can we can be ourselves and still be you know the heroes that somebody needs i think that um we have seen uh, Marvel Comics of today um, change some of that around for yes. some of our women characters. But I do want to go back to this idea of saved. And um, I think there's that part of it. I mean, if we look at the Batman and Robin relationship, um, what before we get off, uh, move on to the Wonder Woman idea of being saved, does Robin get saved by Batman? Yeah, plenty of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I it was always a, it was. Um, I mean, Robin did his. It, Robin had a different. He had an evolution of characters. So we first saw him as Robin, then we saw him as Dick Grayson, and then we saw him as Nightwing. So I mean, he had an evolution as well, which you know, kind of saw him from a boy and growing into a man, and then you know they had a different relationship. But it was always like a saved father son kind of mm-hmm. relationship consistently that was always the narrative um and and which i think is interesting because we saw a lot of that in godless yes. in my opinion <laughs> right no i th- i can see the jump there because um that definitely uh, that that hero teaching the soon to be hero how to be mm-hmm. a man and, and a hero. I mean, I think that the whole resolution between them and, and growing into that position and saving other people. And I think that um, moving into the original Wonder Woman's need to be saved, I think um, the whole idea that women somehow need to be saved. And what's interesting to me is what the, what is it that they actually need to be saved from are actually things that men have created. Yes. <laughs> so you or have themselves. Yeah, and you from know, themselves, I mean, right, right. Yes. So they're, they're going to be saved from themselves. And I think that there's a lot of both of those themes, the father-son relationship. I do want to move into the Godless series um, and also saving women by the things that men are doing and also from themselves appears in Godless. And I think in general in Westerns that's true. Um, yes. And I, I, I wanted to move a little bit into building the idea just based on westerns 
Uh, Westerns uh, in general and the, the advent of the John Wayne hero character who seems emotionally incapable of having a normal human relationship, actually, in most of the series, most of the films that John Wayne appears in. And somehow Mm -hmm. that is an ideal to move towards. I mean, what is this telling um, the culture and the American culture about what it means to be a man and what it means to be strong and, and how our families and relationships and women and children set up for this? And Godless as a series, and maybe you want to talk a little bit about how Godless was sold to us, because yes. I think right there is where we, we're finding some of the issues and challenges about accepting it as a um, a feminist film, as it were. Yes, and and I when I um, when you and I first started our discussions, you had asked me, "Did you watch this?" And I said, "You know, I, I kept seeing, and I think I remember I watched it, but um, it, you know." few years ago and you know the you know COVID-19 has made us all feel like we've been doing all of this for 10 years so um, I I went back and I started watching it again and I remembered that I did watch the first episode but the way that they pitched us this particular miniseries drama miniseries was that it was going to be a no man land so this was this was pitched like you're going to see these women in the Wild West and fight their way along and making, you know, good financial decisions. And, you know, what maybe female bank robbers, maybe female casting all together. You know, that's kind of how I pictured it. And then when um, and then a whole female government and this is how it should be. OK, this is great. Uh, then I watched it and the first episode very clearly was not it already told me that this was going to be still a male male led cast a male led series so i stopped watching it um because it just wasn't what i thought it was going to be uh although i did love most of the actors that were in it um i didn't see how this was what it was pictured so i was like oh that's okay it's just another Western that I can come back to. And I just never really did until I started speaking with you Um, and watched it, watched the whole series again and made a lot of notes. (laughs) And and one of them them was that characterization. Let's talk a little bit about that then. If you you have looked at it again and we were talking about um, men saving women from themselves from men and what men do and i think we see that Mm -hmm. theme there i think we see the the father and son uh issue and challenge between our two major characters which i wanted to hear from you about i think that Mm -hmm. in in all all told i think that is the story of godless and so we we need to think about why it's titled godless is if women are running a town, does that mean there's no God? I mean, wh- where is this title coming from? We'll talk a little bit about that. I just want to tell our listeners that we are talking to H.J. Uh, Grayson, uh, Heather Grayson today, and she is a filmmaker and storyteller and critic. So I'm, as I said, I'm thrilled to have her with us today. And tell us now a little bit about the central themes of Godless the series. So what I what I saw was, uh, you know, one of the things that they said in the first episode was that the land was godless. So maybe they took, you know, that as, you know, it was the Wild West. So many people were 
being killed, destroyed, uh, you know, I mean, the insufferable terribleness that they were doing to the indigenous people at that time. So I think maybe it was a lot to do with the fact that this particular land is godless Mm -hmm. in the eyes of the people living on it. But I also saw a lot of significant value to the fact that there was a church being built by these ladies in their, in their town, the bell. And um, there was a lot of togetherness when it came to making this church, uh, not only getting it built, but also getting the priest to come to the actual city yep. had been a long time. So I think that that was also a play in that this city, because there was no priest, minister, mm-hmm. or church, it was godless. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my feeling. I don't know if that was kind of how you shared it and you saw it as well, um, but that was definitely sent to me. Plus, we have a lot of religious significance when it came, when it comes to the father and the son character, the um, Jeff Daniels and uh, Roy Good, uh, Jack O'Connell, I believe it is. Yes. Um, so the big two main characters very father and the son so i think that that was that had a lot to do with the title of of the series Mm -hmm. now you know um as as we were thinking about that right now and what i was also thinking about was because you mentioned and I, i i kind of forgot that little detail that you mentioned and that is that the the building the rebuilding of the church Okay, mm-hmm. the rebuilding of the church and waiting for the minister to come, mm-hmm. so that in this town of only women, they had to wait for a man to appear so that God could mm-hmm. return to the land. I mean, so if there's only women living there, then there is no God. There is no God the Father, and right. they needed to have this man show up in order to restore the challenges of the land like you spoke. I mean, we are, after all, mining at this point, <laughs> you know, right. and there are just many challenges. So can you talk a little bit about, um, I guess, a summary of what happened in this town and, and w- how the story begins? Sure. So we see that there are no men in this town, about, And um, what ended up happening was there was an, there was a mining facility they, they mined silver and all the men folk they went to their jobs early one morning and there was a, a gas that ended up um, killing them all so all of these all of all of the town folk that had brothers and husbands and grandfathers and, and fathers all of a sudden had none because they were all in this particular mine working for the day. Uh, so it just wiped out the entirety, minus a few people, which would be the deputy and the sheriff, um, both, of course, men. And uh, they were not killed in this particular accident. And then a few folks that were just too old. Um, so you have you have uh, a few men still still around. And, of course, you know, those few men are the ones, quote unquote, quote, protecting the town. Um, but a lot of a lot of the protection in the end comes from the females. But done in a, I don't know, done in a very interesting way. And I wish that it would have been more of a government-led. I, I'm not sure why they couldn't have had somebody, you know, teaching the Bible that was female. I don't know what, I mean, I guess in that time there was just no, no way that a female could become a priest or talk 
about, you know, the Holy Bible. I guess that was off-putting to them. I'm not quite sure. Um, well, there, there no is, real explanation to that. Right. <laughs> well, there, and it's a very weird. interesting thing that the, the, the women who have the power and the money and the resources um, are the, the, the ex-prostitute who mm-hmm. is now, and, and I think you and I were really kind of laughing about the, the kind, of, it's kind of an inside joke. Here she is teaching the children in yeah. the school how to read, right? And then yep. you have these women who are amazingly uh, well-versed in using guns, um, right. right? I mean, we have uh, Alice Fletcher out there who everybody thinks has cursed uh, the town. And, and then we have um, uh, Mary Agnes. I mean, you have really women who can really do things. And then men come in to... They come in and, and yeah, they, they were going to purchase the mine. They were going to purchase the mine, turn the town, right? Yeah. And because some women didn't want that to happen, but others felt that they needed the protection of men, and they wanted to continue with silver mining. Yeah, and they couldn't do that. They couldn't do it themselves. They of course had to have men come in and do it. Plus, I think they wanted men in the town for, you know, probably selfish reasons as well. Um, but there was the. The problem was was that the men that they brought in were of themselves pretty criminal, um, and <clears throat> and we got to see that a lot, which was really unsettling for me because we saw this group of ladies that came in, and you know these these gentlemen came in, and they were very educated. You can in their conversations they were they could have very well handled governing that that town. Um, but these men folk came in and it was a different story. You know, mm-hmm. they can, they can't handle it. They can't do it. Um, they need them. And, and then you went from these great group of women who could do things by themselves to then them having men in, in the town and they're dancing on bar tops and singing and lifting up their skirts and just being, you know, mm-hmm. just not who they were when we first saw them, which was, yeah, great. It was, it was, it you know, was I, interesting. Yeah, and I think that that really that that's an interesting thing. And and just to refer it now to where we are in the culture today, and and some of the the themes that we see in here. I mean, we're now seeing the split of those women who can actually uh, make things happen, and like Mary Agnes, who did not mm-hmm. want to sell the mine, and she wanted to keep the profits for themselves and figure out how to do it on their own and hire people. Okay, and she right. was insistent on that. And then you had the the ex-mayor's wife who decided, no, they really wanted the protection and they just wanted men around and they didn't feel like, you know, they had a real town unless the men were there. And I think we are actually seeing that in the division of women today in our culture as to um, women who feel that they can do things and should be on an equal basis and those, women's who, and those women who feel that the subjugation is necessary in order to have protection in the world and, and have the world handled for them. And I think that the key story between Roy and Frank, Frank Griffin, who is basically the bad guy in the scene, although you do see him be kind to people along the way, I think that's a, an important aspect. And I, I do also want to point out that at this point in time, New Mexico is still a territory. So this whole idea yeah. of the sheriff and the federal marshal coming in to stop this band of 30 outlaws who are burning down towns and, and taking all the money and running from town to town and just burning them down if they don't do what they say. It's like, you give us everything you have or, you're, or we're burning everything down. And right. in order to stop that, we have that one relationship 
the father's son, the son, father's son like because he's an adopted son. He is not right. the actual son of Frank Griffin, but Roy, the Roy Good character who managed to evade all of these men uh, in the uh, posse because that's what it really mm-hmm. is. It's a gang. It's a posse. They're their law unto themselves. And I think we see a lot of that in Westerns in general that support the notion that a group of men who feel that the world should be theirs have somehow more rights than everyone else. Yes, yes. And this is what we're looking at today in that same, you know, and I don't think it's a leap because... It's outlined in there where here we have all these women with all this power, but guess what? They don't really have that power and still need our reigning characters of the sheriff and the bad guy who turned good, which is Roy, mm-hmm. um, who evaded the father situation. He's only He has to come to a resolution with Frank, and that's really what the story is about. We are sold that it's about the women of the West, and these women yeah. who are running the town, but it's really about the resolution of the father-son uh, a story between um, the adopted son Roy Good and the uh, the um, the leader, uh, Mr. Griffin, Frank Griffin. Frank, yeah. So moving towards the um, the shootout, I don't even. I'm not yeah. even talking about the racial aspect of this because, like, that could be a whole nother discussion. Other than yes. today's discussion, you know, the whole idea of Blacktown, I mean, you know, which right. is uh, so, it's almost like a story that was stuck on to this particular story. Um, yeah, so, there, there was it did seem to, it did seem to kind of shoehorn itself in, even though I think that it's a great it's a it's it's an amazing story to tell. But then we should have expanded it. Um, we shouldn't have been so stereotypical at some points. Um, and and I think definitely showing showing warriors, especially that time, mm-hmm. who 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 were black, and uh, you know, there were warriors in in this. Just being you know indigenous, we have the we have the the son of Alice, and we have the mother in law, right. who you know the son was he was always. Um, very knowledgeable. I felt like I felt like it really came through. Uh, whether it was the acting of a little boy, or it was the lines he read, or how he read them, but I really could feel like he was, you know, he had so much passion in him, and uh, he always wanted to be better. And I and you could really see that, which I I did love. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, and then the mother in law who healed everybody. You know, right. it was it was it was this. Um, Everybody was afraid of Alice, but yet I, I think I said to you before, everybody was afraid of her and afraid of uh, afraid of what could be done at that ranch. But then they were always going to her for help. Right. So it was a very odd situation. And in the end, with the shootout, um, you know, you saw a lot of people who uh, one of the most and I think that we agreed um, that one of the bigger progressive characters in this was the, um, not the sheriff, but the deputy. He was he was a young, right? He was a young uh, young man, but he was he was really great. He was a really great character, not only to every single female in this particular film, but also to the female that he fell in love with. And he really wanted to see something good for him. And I think that his time was cut so short. Um, during the shootout, which was very interesting because, again, they had to go to Alice and ask her 
for her help. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they had, they for whatever reason, you're out in the Wild West and all of these women only about five or six of them really knew how to shoot a gun. <laughs> no, I know. I thought that was, <laughs> that was kind strange. of amazing. It's like, yeah, right. This is the whole, the, the whole point that, that, that was really kind of astonishing. And, you know, it was interesting too, because um, first of all, the, the mother-in-law, the indigenous mother-in-law of, yes. of Mary Alice and her son, you know, here, here's a woman without a husband and she's considered, you know, strange because she had been, taken in by the uh, indigenous people and so the story of her own strength which was shown through her abuse by um, another indigenous tribe and how Mm -hmm. she survived that so here's a woman who is strong because of what she survived at the hands of men uh, from another culture and yet Mm -hmm. and I I like when you were mentioning the the young deputy part because he appears as the progressive young white man yeah, <laughs> who like who who falls in love with the with an African American female and stands up to her father, but doesn't want to continue doing that because the father has threatened um, has threatened his daughter uh, about that. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and, but he's he's like the progressive character again. The story is about the development of the characters of these of the men because yes. ultimately the women do not really develop. No. They don't change. They don't resolve anything. Um, They just, you know, they just have the shootout. And the resolution of the film, and here's where we're coming into the the final, and there's so much to talk about, but the the final aspect of it, what happens? um, Frank Griffin and his 30, Mm -hmm. and as you pointed out, these 30 guys... And it's always 30. And even though they're all shot dead, it's still 30. So every time we turn around, it's 30 guys, no matter who gets shot. You know, he still has these 30 guys. And they are attacking, they're they're defending this, um, the hotel, which is uh, an actual hotel that actually exists. Um, And you have these great sharpshooters up on the rooftops. Mm -hmm. And what happens? yeah, he and the the really awful part is is that they don't save their own lives. Right. They don't they don't get to have the resolution that they save the day. Right. What ended up happening is the main character, the Frank character, who was the most evil. He was the henchman. He was he was the villain out of all of this. Minus, there were many men in this in this um, in this drama series that were uh, villainous, but he was the ultimate villain. And we should have, especially if we were in this no man's land this female you know empowerment type of um drama series we should have seen them save the day but instead that is not what happened it was the sheriff who all of a sudden who was blind became unblind right i was blind but now i can see he (laughs) gets to develop that's McHugh, right he's the one he comes back out of god knows he comes back out of god knows where yeah and he was blind and now he can see Mm-hmm. And, and he's shooting everybody, right, and, and he's Roy making Good, headway. Right, they're Roy down Good, there. They come. They, at the, they take him out, and and, and in the <sighs> end of the and the and the end of this film, and here's where it echoes every single western we have been taught to see. No, Roy Good does not go and marry and go back and marry the woman Mary Alice. Actually, McHugh does. He rides off into the sunset mm-hmm. by himself. Yep. After all of this has happened and he's had his resolution and the women do not save the day, these two guys, one who was blind, <laughs> he still yeah. can shoot. Yeah. 
And mm-hmm. Roy Good, who's come to the, he's resolving his issue with this father figure, that's who ends up saving the day. So yeah, and he and he always, you know, we knew that he was he was trying to be good for for Alice. He was trying to um, get out of her way so that she wouldn't be in harm's way. And so that at least was a a good you know moment of his that he decided to displace himself. But then in displacing himself, he brings on this this gang of murderers mm-hmm. to this town that he leaves. And but. He still is the one that ends up saving the day. And not only that, but he ends up giving her, like, saving her by giving her $50,000. Right, which, which is so, stolen money, by the way. Right, which is stolen money, but So as long as was, you steal, so, so now he's Robin Hood on top of everything else, right? He's stealing right. from the rich and giving to people who he thinks deserve yeah, it. And but, this is part mm-hmm. of the problem. He's giving money to people he think that stolen money that he thinks deserve the money and this is where we are in society today those you know the the the, the, the sheriffs of the wild west going back to this uh, before statehood deciding that laws that should be enforced are the ones that they should deciding who gets the spoils of whatever money that even if it's not their own money to give out i mean we're seeing this same issue and these same characters showing up in today's world. And so, well, Netflix, I like, I love the idea of the show, but I think mm-hmm. we can do it better. So, H, so I'm going to say this to you, Heather, as we wrap this show up today. Yeah. I'm hoping that you come up with some better characters for some films and we get to see them soon. Oh, yes, absolutely. And and I will say that at least at least in him and, and the writer and director of this particular drama series, he he definitely then, um, you know, I don't know if he took all of this and, and maybe learned from it, but then he wrote Queen's Gambit, which was one of the best. And uh, that's something email led. You, you, <laughs> you and I need to have that conversation on this show another time. Yeah. So thank you. H.J. Grayson, Heather, I'm hoping that we're going to see more narratives about women in film from you and better characters and more development. And you can see Godless on Netflix. It's, it appears there now. It's a series. It's fantastic. And this has been Joy Silver on Outspoken Radio 111. You can see us up on the podcast Women of the Wild West on Film, Godless, the series. Godless.